Siberia. A vast and unique landscape that has become known for its dense forests such as the taiga, massive mountain ranges such as the Ural, and overall rugged terrain. Within these remote backlands of Russia exist some of the most mysterious phenomena on planet Earth, from indigenous myths to modern, unexplainable events. On Lake Baikal, Avenki legends tell of ghost soldiers that on foggy days in winter can be seen charging across the ice on horseback, only for it to crack and the soldiers to sink into the icy depths. To this day, the people of Lake Baikal claim to see the same soldiers charging across the ice. But that's not all. Remote Siberia is also a hotspot for other unexplained activity, both above and beneath the surface of its remote, massive lakes. UFO sightings, as well as bright lights emanating from the aquatic depths, have been seen by fishermen and indigenous people for decades. In addition to these strange sightings of unknown objects and bright lights, declassified Russian military documents from the 1980s disclose the deaths of three divers from an unknown encounter with giant humanoid creatures beneath the waters of Lake Issacool. Are these sightings and encounters extraterrestrial? Or could the answers to these mysteries be found in the traces of an ancient civilization at the bottom of the historic depths of Siberian lakes? Join us tonight on Into the Portal as we discuss these bizarre occurrences and investigate the possible links between an ancient time and modern phenomena. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Into the Portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we got a brand new episode. Brand new episode. <laughs> <laughs> this, this one. one I'm <laughs> Jinx already. <laughs> I'm really, really excited for this one. Oh, it's this... kind of been like a long time coming for, for me, especially. Definitely. Um, uh, but we're heading into some remote territory of Siberia and other mm-hmm. places as well. Mm-hmm. So kind and... of adjacent to Mongolia, hey, where you have the death worm. Yeah. Lake Baikal is basically situated just north of that. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's where a lot of what we're going to be looking at today, along with another lake known as Isakol. That's right. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to kick it off with the intro of the ghost army because yeah. it was just such a cool story. Mm-hmm. And it's just a perfect example of how strange Siberia is. And yeah. the lake, Lake Baikal and other deep lakes in Siberia... And other places around there too, the Altai mountain range, which extends into Mongolia and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's just a place where there's UFO sightings, USO sightings, so submerged. Mm-hmm. There's giant skeletons found. There's all kinds of bizarre Underwater things. Underwater swimmers. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, lights <laughs> emanating from the depths of the lake. This place is... As well as ghosts. Yeah. Yes, like as we well covered. Yeah, so that story in particular was interesting. I wasn't actually able to corroborate the warlord that apparently sent yeah. this army, so it is a bit vague, but uh, we get reports from locals around the lake that, especially on foggy days, they'll see these apparitions of horsemen like charging across the lake towards right. them, and it's like... it. Yeah, it's bizarre, but it's there. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? Like, you're yeah. just fishing offshore, and then you got, like, a horde of... 
ghost soldiers. Like Mongols. Yeah, like, like just, Or no, no, just, sorry, they weren't Mongols. They would have, well... <laughs> I was a little they, No, they, they, would, they would have been, um, like, early... Proto Mongols would be Russian. descendants of these people, possibly. Exactly, yeah. or they're related. Mm -hmm. They're definitely on their Eurasian continent. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, there's so many cool stories like that on the lake, and then there's others, too, with, like, ships that go out and disappear and then come back, and people mm -hmm. think they've been, they, they've been gone time for... Lapses yeah, time lapses mm -hmm. and... All kinds of bizarre stuff. So it's definitely a hot spot for a lot of paranormal activity. And that is what we're going to dive into. Big time. A little bit of everything. So do you want to just give, like, I guess we should just maybe uh, give a little bit of information on Siberia and, like, the lake. Yeah. So you want me to give some details? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, I mean, everybody knows Siberia. Mm -hmm. It's massive. <laughs> it's, it's huge. It's, um, yeah, it's enormous. It's expansive. Some people think it's frozen all the time. That's actually not true. They have really warm summers, but they are short. Mm. Um, but Siberia is basically 13, just over 13 million square kilometers wow. and accounts for over over 77% of Russia's land area. So it's massive. Wow. Massive. Okay. Um, and so Lake Baikal is located in this territory as well as Lake Isakol. Both are massive lakes. Lake Baikal mm. happens to be the largest freshwater body on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. It is also the deepest freshwater body right. mm -hmm. because it is a rift, rift lake. lake. And we've talked about this before. Yeah. With Lake Okanagan, where Okanagan, we're from. Okanagan, very similar. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Like, I'm trying to... So yeah, it's 12,000 square miles of freshwater. And water. it's super, super, <laughs> super old. Like 30 million years old. Yeah. Like, that's crazy to think. Yeah. So super old, super deep. What the heck is in this... We don't know. <laughs> but yeah, the similarities to Okanagan Lake are really cool for us, mm -hmm. obviously, being from here and looking for the Ogopogo episode two. Yeah. Because we were looking at Okanagan Lake and being like, holy moly, like, this is deep. Like, 800 feet plus just to the bottom, and then you got 750 meters of sediment in Okanagan Lake. Mm -hmm. And Lake Baikal is, like, double that, at least. Like, it's like... Well, wasn't it at its depth, or sorry, at its deepest point, I remember reading it was like 1.4 miles deep, and then on top of that, there was about 4.5 miles, of, miles sediment. of sediment. Yeah, yeah. So, so just unbelievably So deep. between 6 and 7 miles deep yes. from the surface of the water. Total, which is a long way. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's kind of hard to comprehend, to be Pretty honest. Pretty much. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're f the epicenter of the, our, of the episode is, more or less. Yes. Like we said, we're venturing into some other territories for evidence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think we should. All in the same continent, so all in the same region. Yes. And then, again, like Lake Isakol, uh, compared to Lake Baikal, uh, Isakol actually means warm water or right. warm lake, so it never actually freezes. It has a little, it's Even a saline though, lake, right? It has a, a little bit of salt. Like it's um, mm -hmm. kind of like the Caspian Sea. And again, it's it's connected to that rift, right? Yes. Okay, so that's that's another reason for it's the warmth of the water. I would, right. I, I yeah, like there's... That uh, no, that makes sense, obviously, because <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it, there's, uh, there's gases and things coming up from the rift. And then people have actually, yeah, the thermal conductivity... Uh, has been reported and some people claim because like you get these things these huge like three mile long um sphere or circular formations on the ice yeah so it's like almost like a big ring yeah mm -hmm. and they look like they're caused by Looks ufos like, exactly yeah. and you know people have been speculating as to what caused them and actually i think in astonishing legends went out to siberia in one of their earlier episodes mm -hmm. and they touched on this with the circ the ring the yeah. rings and I think one of the theories that's definitely come up as, like, a scientific explanation is, like, like you said, like, the, there's the, gas. Yeah. Thermoconductive zones yeah. and, like, almost, like, these columns that would rise and yeah. create these sort of circular. And then, oh, and they also, um, there was the 
the whole idea that the Earth's um, rotation would actually result in the okay. rotating of the ice in the middle. So that would kind of yeah lead to this sort of circular formation. So, so it's just a strange place. Yeah, so <laughs> that could be explained potentially, but there's a lot that really couldn't. So shall we get into the juicy, the main, the main, the yeah. main course here to kind of. Let's do Launch it. it off. No more appies. No more appies. No more appies. <laughs> That's a big appy, Siberia. Okay, so we're moving on to this. Like I said, this is the crux of the episode, and it is an event that took place in the 1980s that began on Lake Baikal and then happened again on Lake Issacol. Right. You want me to t- kick this yeah, off? I, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay, so 1982. Mm-hmm. There is a special Russian military dive team doing exercises in Lake Baikal. Okay. Okay. They're known as, they're called frogmen, which -hmm. I thought was funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess that's just the Russian version of the the Navy SEAL, obviously, right? I guess, yeah. What I wonder what they're called in Canada. Good question. Like the beavers (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) Anyway, so these frogmen, they're training in Lake Baikal and they encounter some... Well, this is the part where you, you have this quote, right? Yeah. This, because this was different. So basically, they're diving. They're using fresh water because mm-hmm. it's a controlled environment more so than the ocean. But it does mimic a lot of ocean circumstances because it is so Because big it is so deep. massive. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, everything's going smooth. It's all good. And they end up being down 150 meters. And they encountered... Go for it. Give this quote. Well, at the depths of Baikal... They, quote, spied bizarrely shaped underwater vehicles that moved far faster than any technology the Soviet Navy was in possession of at the time. As if that weren't strange enough, the divers also claimed that they came across a squad of silvery-suited, clad, though clearly non-human beings. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) I'm just going to end it there. (laughs) So So these guys are down there, 150 meters. They first encounter machines that are unidentifiable vehicles usos vehicles yeah okay. that's very strange they don't actually give a description at all of what shape what size and this is the thing there's there's accounts that just focus on the swimmers and then others that have both yeah so i'm we haven't been able to corroborate if both were both definitively happened but mm-hmm. definitely the swimmers happened yeah. so after they saw these vehicles they like you said they encountered did you give the height three meter tall 9.84 feet. Yeah. Silvery humanoid swimmers ripping around them. Massive people. They had sphere like well, helmets, no scuba tanks, and they were just flying around way too quick. And like, there was a description that they almost, they had like some sort of like bubble helmet over their heads. Yes. Yeah. yeah it was like a spherical helmet. Yeah. And like there was spin- other descriptions. There was one from a diver. This was actually not in Baikal. But he described something a little different with like these like big eyes that were kind of like halogen like eyes or something. But almost as if it like the helmet had been removed. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Different circumstance though. Um, But yeah, so these guys, 1982, (laughs) it was kind of an interesting story, right? Because there was two different dive teams, and the one encountered these creatures. Yeah. And they warned the second group. Yeah. So here's how the story goes. So they Mm. encountered these these strange creatures yeah. and they're like well we should probably let other dive teams know uh 
what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so this is on Lake Baikal and then about 1500 miles southwest is Lake Issacol. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I got to double check that. But anyway, it's a little bit of a ways away, but again, super deep lake. So they get a visit from the uh, Ministry of Defense of the USSR, Major V. Demenyonko. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy who lets them know what's going on. So he shows up and he's like, hey guys, we encountered some really bizarre stuff at this depth. Um, so just, just keep an eye out for it because obviously they were fascinated from a military perspective, but also just perplexed right. as to what this was. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the dive team on Lake Issacol, sure enough, they encounter the exact same thing <laughs> around the same depth. That's bizarre. Right? It's bizarre that the activity is happening simultaneously in two different locations, right? That they're kind of interacting with these yeah. Soviet military Is it forces. just because it's the the depth or is oh, it because maybe, they yeah, or is yeah. it is it yeah like is it just the territory that are they, they kind of like into? maybe they're almost just like it's almost like a reconnaissance sent out from like these swimmers right because they're they they're probably sensing like hey something's coming into our territory therefore let's go see and that is the that is the overarching question for this episode yeah. is who the heck are these things exactly. what are these things mm-hmm. and what evidence is there to support that they exist or what they could be and that's what we're mm-hmm. gonna get into and i'm stoked yeah totally okay. so this is bizarre so anyway, the second team, they encounter the same thing. They come back up and they're like, yep, we, we, they're, they're down there. There's mm-hmm. nine foot plus humanoid swimmers down there. Yeah. And at first they were kind of thinking like, this is some sort of animal, right? Like this is some mm. sort of, it's humanoid looking, but this is, I mean, surely their first instinct isn't, this is an alien in a spacesuit. They're thinking this is bizarre, mm-hmm. but you know, let's catch it and find out what it is. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So they send another team down Mm -hmm. and uh, the way it kind of reads in the Russian translated article is that it sounds kind of like rinky dink, like Mm -hmm. they weren't, you know, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming 1980s Russian frogmen, they're going to have some half decent equipment for trying to catch Mm -hmm. something underwater. I mean, you've seen, you know, like those like uh, underwater spear gun nets and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, you're going to have something, not just going down there with like a grocery bag and like a... (laughs) and a piece of rope so (laughs) anyway so they go down and they and they attempt they 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 encounter them again they attempt to catch one of these and they are not successful no (laughs) they get forced to the surface by an unknown force well they presumably coming from these unknown compelling force (laughs) presumably coming from these solar swimmers somehow and they launch up to 50 feet out of the water they've surfaced 150 meters and how like under you know seconds seconds yeah it was like under 10 seconds and you are not supposed to do that obviously you're supposed to come up at yeah. checkpoints so that you're you can decompress and your the oxygen you know and nitrogen in your so you cells. don't get the bends mm-hmm. right yeah exactly so mm-hmm. of course these divers are shot out of the water and people see this there's fishermen there's people along the lake there's locals there's people out with their a- animals and, and they... i have a very interesting little anecdote to go along with that anyway yeah these divers so... didn't make it though just to finish this off there's no a couple of them ended up brain damaged and then the one and others just died they only had yeah. what one working decompression chamber yes and they shoved them into it well they shoved four out of seven right all four got brain damaged because there's only supposed to be two persons in each chamber right. max and then on top of that the leader was one of the ones, the unfortunate ones that died along yeah. with two others of the team. He just took took one, took Brutal. one for the team, maybe. Brutal, yeah. Well, yeah, so super rough. Yeah. And uh, obviously this was not something that the Russian military would want to make public, but no. the public saw. 
and this ended up being declassified later. It, it was. So. And it's very interesting, actually. Um, after all these events happened in 1982, and these swimmers were reported lurking in the depths, uh, there was actually a an order, sorry, like a, a detailed analysis of Lake Baikal and the events of, the, of what happened to those people and the ensuing reprimand. So... Um, yeah, this is a quote here. Um, quote, the order consisted of a detailed analysis of Baikal Lake events and ensuing reprimands. It was supplemented by an information bulletin from the headquarters of the engineering forces of the Ministry of Defense, USSR. The bulletin listed numerous deepwater lakes where there had been registered sightings of anomalous phenomena, including appearances of underwater creatures analogous to the Baikal type, Descent and ascent of giant discs and spheres, spears, sorry, <laughs> spears, spheres, <laughs> and powerful luminescence emanating from the deep, etc. End quote. So they so this actually is not they isolated. had no, it's not isolated by any means, and it was officially recognized by the USSR. Yeah. So that's huge. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I would say so. And just to go back, I found this uh, this note here from what you just mentioned earlier: the Black Sea. Where a di- mm, the, the yep. diver who encountered I mean, the one shark without, diver. yeah, so without, he was like looking for sharks, or something. looking for sharks, and then I, I had a few accounts too because uh, of other divers encountering the same thing. So Black Sea, this was in the 1990s, same sort of thing. Sw- swimmers around nine feet tall, but without the same helmets. One of them was a, a shark diver. Another was, I think, looking for amber. Really? Not for, not for you, but for uh, <laughs> I think the Black Sea, deep deep in the Black Sea, is one of the locations where you can find amber made for ju- used in jewelry and stuff. Interesting. So these things are... So that's ocean. So that was in the Black Sea. Sorry, what year was that? Uh, I just have 1990s. Okay. I don't have an exact year. I have the same sort of like, yeah, it's 1990s, no exact date. But this was the one that you just mentioned where this guy named Borokivov. Okay. Borokivov. He was diving at a depth of only eight meters. And he encountered three giant silvery humanoid swimmers with milky white faces, webbed hands, and bulging eyes with fish-like tails. So okay. that's like more like a merman, that's, to be honest. That's more of a, yeah, that's more merman <laughs> but territory. Again, 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 this is early 1990s, no exact date. A hand glider named Pova Yelyov, Pova Yelyov, there's okay. a lot of Ys in that name, yep. um, was flying over uh, the Leningrad area where there's many lakes, and he actually noticed three, what he thought were three huge fish on the surface as he glided closer he realized that they were humanoids in these silvery suits again. He recorded his event in his book uh, called The Flying Dutchman that was released in 1995. The Flying Dutchman. So, yeah, that was from a Pravda article, so I'm not sure how much stock to take in that one, but very curious, right? So that, again, just points to this idea that, yeah, Lake Baikal is very central for these anomalous events, but it does spread. And I feel like that just is part and parcel of the nature of these vast rural areas that are mostly uninhabited and are almost like the last sort of playground or wild frontier for these things that are on the fringes of what we understand. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah, so like, yeah, the question for me is like, okay, these things are, these things are down there. mm -hmm. Where, where do they come from? Are they an evolutionary offshoot? We're going to get into that. Are they aliens? Mm-hmm. Like, did they come from somewhere else? And they there's there's bases underwater. Some people right. believe that there's some there's some wild theories about that type of thing. Are they are they aliens, but not from yeah? Are they aliens, but they're not from light years away? Yeah, it's interdimensional, or it's something else. Like they're not they're they've been here all traveling? along. 
There's so many different so ways many to go. Things. But um, I think we should kick it off with UFOs because there's so many sightings. Lake Baikal, Siberia, also in other across the Eurasian continent. True. So you had that one that was a crash, didn't you? Um. Or did you want to hold on to that? Yeah. No, no, no. We can get into that for sure. Cool. Um. Yeah, this was a downed aircraft. Again, this was the same year as the Silver Swimmer sighting, right. like the 1982, May 26th. And this is according to Mikhail Gerstein, who was a huge part of this SEPCA. It was um, basically an initiative put forth by the USSR in response to all these events and things, just to form some sort of investigative unit. Um, and then, so he basically, his report goes as follows... There was a loss of communications with uh, MIG-21 aircraft. Okay. And it subsequently went down. And at the same time, there was a UFO sighted at a height of 1,500 meters. So you get unexpected uh, interference of communications, crash, sighting of UFO. Trifecta. (laughs) (laughs) And just to top it off, this is really cool. Yep. So, the day after this aircraft went down, um, a search cream, a search cream, <laughs> I can't talk today, a search cream, um, a search team comprised of a junior surgeon named Pen Yukov and okay. a private named Kunin, uh, they were in the Poverino area forest, which is where the crash occurred. Okay. So, this is um, a lot more west Russia, west, northwest. Okay. Yeah. So, so, it's not exactly in the same area, but it's still... No, it's still in Russia, though. But anyways. So, they were walking through this forest trying to find the wreckage, and they walked into this clearing and observed a humanoid entity. This is a quote. It was no less than 3.5 meters tall, dressed in a silvery with greenish hues clothing. After the entity fled the site of the incident, eyewitnesses observed an explosion behind the tree and flight of a luminescent object that left a slightly luminescent trail. Hmm. Interesting. End quote. So once again, we've got the 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 height. Yeah. The sort of nine plus feet mm-hmm. and the silver suits. So that's that's the connection. So it's like, is there a link between a, a UFO site that's obviously like a terrestrial? Like, it's landed on land, it's not submerged in the ocean, or in the lake, rather. Yeah. But is there a connection there? Yeah, right? right? So That's the question. The mm-hmm. interesting thing with that is, like, when people think of unidentified objects, it's UFOs, right? Yeah. And then when we were looking into this, I discovered, basically for me, like, mm-hmm. you, the idea of a USO. Yeah. You know, these, these submerged, unidentified objects, much like the machines that the divers encountered before the actual swimmers themselves. Were these machines some sort of reconnaissance for these uh, for these swimmers or something like that that they saw first? I don't know. Like that's my explanation, I guess. But anyway, Very curious. Yeah. So the idea of a USO, and this is all over the world, and there's some there's some crackpot theories about, out there about this kind of thing, but yeah. there's others that are not. One of the crazier, kookier ones I thought was kind of fun when I was looking at it is there's people that believe that there's underwater alien bases all over the world, and one of them is just oh, off yeah. the coast of Malibu, California. Mm-hmm. And um, I looked at a picture of this thing and people found it on Google Earth and they think it's like, it's got a perfectly flat top with like columns coming down underneath it. It looks like it's being supported and stuff. And geologists look at it and say, yeah, no, that's just, it's just a natural formation. It definitely doesn't look natural, but I don't believe it's an alien base or anything like that. Mm. But people believe these are a thing. Same with Lake Baikal. So supposedly in 2009, there were photographs taken from like satellite images Mm -hmm. that looked beneath the surface and basically 
same sort of thing. Found some obscure looking structures that some people thought looked like a space for. Hmm. Flying saucers to submerge and land and dock. Sorry, basically. which lake is this? This is by Cow. Oh, this was uh, okay. uh, totally unsubstantiated. Like just what what was this from? It was like from a Ancient Origins or something type website yeah. kind of thing, right? You can sort of use anecdotal support evidence from people that say that they see like glowing. Well, this is exactly and... so. The idea of there's orbs that have been seen in Russia. Above mm-hmm. the water, like mm-hmm. that even comes in, in in like the Datlov Pass incident. Right. Indigenous Mansi people had seen orbs and things like that. Very similar to the USOs that people, that fishermen have seen on Baikal and on Issacol mm-hmm. and other lakes where the, yeah, there's these giant luminescent balls of light deep underneath the water. And then they shoot into the sky. Yes. They, they, yeah. Right. And they go flying away. Yeah. <laughs> so the question is, are they, do, do they originate from under the water though? Or are they, do they originate from somewhere Ooh, else? Yeah. Which direction, right? Like, that's right. the question for me. That's Because curious. this lake is so deep and so ancient, the and Issacol as well. Mm-hmm. And just Siberia in general. Yeah. And we've got evidence of that in caves that I'm yeah, super that excited about. That we're going to get into pretty quickly. But quick people have been here, seeing, yeah. so I have an example here, though. So, oh my gosh, these these names. Vacheslav Laveratich. Mm-hmm. Sorry, 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 man. <laughs> I tried my best. Um, a, a researcher, uh, yeah, so he was a researcher from, I think, the University of Moscow or something like that. I lost it. Anyway, no, sorry, different different person. My bad. Disregard that. He was on a search and rescue team, oh. this guy. Anyway, he was recalling an incident where they were out on the lake, I guess, presumably for a search and rescue or maybe just training. Anyway, they were on the lake. And they were blinded by a giant glowing disc that came underneath the boat and then surfaced and flew away into the sky. It blinded them for several seconds. They couldn't see anything. A disc? So how big would that have been? So it would have, under the water, it looked like a circle, like mm-hmm. an like orb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it surfaced and he said it looked like a disc. Hmm. They didn't give, he didn't, didn't give a size. Um, yeah, I said it was probably, yeah, just massive. Oh, oh wait, no, he does give, does give a size. 700 mm. meters. What? In diameter. That can't be accurate. <laughs> 700 centimeters? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, He said though. it was, the spectacle so was awesome, was beautiful, then? and shocking. It was like a yacht. It was like a, a search and rescue, search and rescue okay. vessel. Mm-hmm. All right. And you have to remember that we're talking about a lake, like Baikal and Isikol, but lake, it's like, this is like an ocean. Yeah. Like, if you're on one side looking across, don't. you don't see the other side, no, no. depending on where you're standing, obviously. Right. So it's, like, massive. That's crazy. Um, other orbs, obviously. Skinwalker Ranch has orb orb sightings. They're all over the world. All over the world. But these ones, underwater. And I didn't actually come across, like, I didn't, orbs was more your area of research, but, mm-hmm. like, did you come across any reported attacks? Or anything, like, that would be similar to, say, a skinwalker, where there's singe marks found where dogs used to be or something? No, or... I couldn't find anything like that on Baikal. Just, or even Just locals? straight sightings, like... Yeah. I mean, in 1977, there was Maybe another just, one. They're smart enough not to mess with it. I get, like, they just get used to it, right? <laughs> right. Um, this is another interesting one, where they're not a boat on the surface. 1977, there was a team who was in a submergibles, submersible, mm-hmm. so, like, a smaller submarine, 1200 meters at a depth at a depth of 1200 meters and they encountered orbs in at that depth 
Um, so they turned off their spotlights to try to see how far the light would penetrate. And basically, they same thing, they were blinded by an un, unusual glow, and they surfaced, and they couldn't explain what it was. And basically, Sorry, what year was that? 1977. 77. And basically, people have, been, people have interviewed people along the lake, both lakes, about this, and for decades, people have seen, mysteri- quote, mysterious balls of light, of flame, flame-like balls of light above the lake. Oh, okay. From fishermen, workers, search and rescue people, military, for decades. Very reputable people. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's very interesting. It ain't just swamp really, gas. No, no. It really makes me think I'm just sort of diving into that Corso book we got from uh, Christofferson over at our Strange Skies podcast. And he had some really interesting things to say about, well, obviously the infighting amongst the um, the military units. So like the Air Force, um, the Navy and whatever else yeah. and the Army and how like the Navy was like freaking out because they were dealing with very similar phenomena underneath the surface of the ocean on their bases and stuff. And they were freaking out because they don't know how to defend themselves. And so anyways, that's a whole other side note. And that's a crazy book. It's very entertaining though. I'm really enjoying it. I wish the font was a little bit bigger though because my eyes hurt when I'm reading it, but that's just me being a baby. (laughs) But it makes total sense. Like I have a stat here, like 50% of UFO encounters are connected with oceans and 15% are connected with lakes. Hmm. So there's a big water element for sightings, obviously. Very and cool. I'm starting not... to picture like War of the Worlds, hey, where I these know, like right? massive tripod things are gonna rise know, like, out of the up all depths. water or something like that. Well, then, yeah, sucking up water. Like that was that 1994 Australian incident that I just looked into this morning. Right. Very similar, but we'll get into that with like theories and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, I'm not gonna now, get okay? too far. I don't want to get too far ahead. All, right. all I can say though is that these balls of light are definitely not swamp gas. No. Because. <laughs> That's what the orb explanations around the world have been attributed to in the past. Mm -hmm. And the guy, I can't remember the name of the guy, but whoever came up with that, like he didn't even intend for it to get out of hand for explanations for UFOs, just everything, swamp gas for everything. (laughs) Because the actual likelihood of methane rising and and, uh, creating a ball of fire, creating a ball of fire that big and that frequent. And here's the other thing. It moves in non-ballistic motion. So that's it's not, say, yeah, a, it's not going up. It's, it's, it's going side to it's, side. It's, it's going wherever it wants. Yeah. It's moving in any direction. And it wants. another interesting side note would be if it is this swamp gas explosion, whatever, then why the heck aren't there any fires started from this? Good question. Hmm. Good question. <laughs> Good question. Hmm. Let's put on our thinking caps here. And, All uh, right. Anyways. Yeah. So, so USOs, USOs, that's U- a thing. USOs as UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. One and the same. Perhaps. So we're trying to link these to the swimmers, right? Yeah. I mean, potentially. I Loosely, mean, we're trying to... Because of the um, adjacency of the sightings, right, of the military seeing first these little crafts are moving very fast. Yeah. They didn't say anything about a glow in that report specifically. No, no. But they were beyond um, technological capabilities right. of... Soviets at that time. Yeah. And if anyone at that time, I would assume. Like, you know, like America, whatever. It's right. not like America is like and it's sending not out it, little submersibles well, to like exactly. call to spy well, on the it's Russians. It's one of those like, situations where you can explain it away by being like, oh, this is, uh, you know, advanced government military technology that they're running. No, this is the military. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So they're not, I mean, why would they have one branch that's has special information that the other doesn't? That seems exactly. counterintuitive. And you know, another thing too, just to add to the, uh, the like more like objectivity of this account in particular and how it it couldn't actually like you already mentioned the fact that local fishermen um 
and people uh, around the lake had seen these people actually shoot up out of the water. Yeah. And I actually have, um, yeah, there's a guy, Mikhail Demidenko, who is a well-known Russian writer. I couldn't find much information on him. I, I feel like it's all in Russian. But anyways. Well, he was so supposedly... He, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. He read this account. Um, he read the account of the 1982, The Swimmers. And while he was on assignment um, for the Union of Writers, this was in 1986, so four years later, he spent some time at Lake Baikal. And there he talked to local fishermen and they observed, yeah, how these frogmen were basically propelled. They, his quote says 10 to 15 meters up over the water. Right. So that would be approximately 30 to 40 feet, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and then it just says here, the locals never found out why the military behaved in that manner. <laughs> like, I don't know if they meant to, but... Yeah, what do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, very curious, though. This guy, Demidenko, he'll come into play again with uh, our theories and mm-hmm. other sort of archaeological evidence of perhaps these humanoid swimmers. Or something linked to them, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Is that where we're heading, then? I would say so. <laughs> So. I think we should We're take a so quick break, or- though, hey? Yeah. Let's do um, a quick break for our friend over at Creepsville Podcast, uh, the lovely Isabella from Down Under in Australia. Yep. That's right. <laughs> That's made, my we, terrible Australian Nice accent. try, yeah. But we made a friend yeah. in Australia, and she's got a really great show. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, here's a promo from Creepsville. Hi, I'm Bella, and I've got a podcast called Creepsville. It's all about the spoopy and spooky and the creepy. If you like ghosts and paranormal, if you like murder, if you like urban legends, or if you're just a weirdo like me who loves all of the above, you've come to the right place. I even make the occasional joke. Find me on Libsyn and on iTunes and give it a listen. Out every second Saturday. Subscribe now. Alright, so make sure you guys go and check out Creepsville Podcast. Mm -hmm. And now, we are... Moving into some exciting territory because mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about some archaeological evidence yeah. of ancient civilizations, giants potentially in the area. Yes, ancient um, civilizations and and ancient bones. Well, because yeah, we're trying to tie this into again the swimmers. Yes. So these are three meter tall swimmers. So therefore, we need some big skeletons. We need to find some big evidence. Big evidence, yeah. Indeed. And we did. Well, there has been reports yeah. um, beginning in the early 1900s. So this came from a group of Georgian boys, as they're described in the yeah. account. And essentially what they did, I'm not even sure what they were actually doing on the waters. This yeah. wasn't actually on Lake Issacol. This is in the Georgian National Park. Right. So this um, is south. This is this is, this is is a ways away, but it's it's the same idea, and there's there's the similarities. There's so much crossover that it all ties together. For yeah, sure. and there there's another instance much later on in the 2000s that actually supports this initial claim ah. from the Georgian boys. Okay. So yeah, again, this was an enormous forested area known as the Bajorami Karaguli National Park. Nice job. And anyways, so yeah, there is a lake there. I suppose I don't know what the name of it is. But, um, yeah, so these, these boys apparently were diving around. Diving I don't around. know if they're just, like, looking for... Just, you know, they're just, just moseying around. You know, you know I don't find know. adventure, I Collecting guess. rocks, maybe, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I, Fishing? Who even, knows? like, you know, just judging from the character, say, of the Dyatlov group, if anyone's ever read those books, and just how adventure was a lot more different than 
what we conceive of it today. It was harsh. It was hard. Yeah. And it was a, a, a thing of honor, really. For sure. It was a lot more serious. Yeah. So I'm kind of picturing these Georgian boys to be similar to that Dialov group. Like, sure. youthful, but... Adventurous and... Ex- enthusiastic. Very much and so. serious about yeah. it. And so, so anyways... So, yeah. So they're yeah. diving down into some... They dove down. Apparently, they found a cave um, situated inside a mountain that yep. they had to dive under to get to. So... When they got inside the mountain, uh, they found giant human skeletons, and the number of skeletons was unclear, as well as, again, like I said, the name of the lake. Yeah. And it's just very curious because, yeah, we do see numerous accounts throughout the 20th century into the 2000s, and it is in different lakes, different areas. I know. But all in the same... Bizarre. Continent. Yeah. Yeah, and well, so then... I wonder with the whole bones thing, for like mm-hmm. I mean, not being sure exactly how many you know skeletons or bodies there were, if they were intact completely, or if or it was hard piles. to tell because it was like, yeah, partial skeletons, and then there's other, you know, yeah. bones and stuff, so you're like sort of, you know, have, would have to piece it together to see if it was maybe a full two or three individuals or whatever. It was a big account. I'm, I'm yeah. curious because it did also mention the fact that these boys were terrified of what they found, essentially, right. and they wasn't like... Something that they went and bragged about initially. I think it took them a few years before they even told their story. Well, especially if you have, if you had to dive somewhere to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very cool and interesting, but freaky. Like, even when I was in Fiji... Like, what if you I, stumble across? Like, is there, I, is there a giant... Like, what if there's, like, a beast in there eating these people? Exactly. And that's why. The exactly. And that's what we <laughs> joked about when I went on that trip with, uh, with my sister to Fiji. And we dove into an underwater mm-hmm. cave. It was, like, not super deep, though. You only mm-hmm. had to go down maybe, like, seven or eight feet. And then just, like, under a little short thing and then you're up in this cave cool. but like it's terrifying you're thinking like what the heck yeah like yeah. what yeah it's it's freaky, freaky. especially because it's all dark yeah you know yeah yeah totally um so that was the earliest account that i found and then from there it kind of goes into the 1930s yeah and that goes back to Issacol. Issacol is i want to go there man like i, I really, really want to go to siberia like lake baikal and Issacol. they just sound so cool yeah. And they're vacation spots for sure. Like in oh, the summertime, yeah. it's warm and you can go swimming and it's it's. I it's was really on their nice. tourist website. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we will. How cool would that be? You go do a, like a live show or a, a show from yeah. uh, the shores of Issaquil. Ooh, that'd be sweet. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, this place has been, you know, Navy dive site for decades and decades. It's been, and you've got information. Yeah, on... since the ninth or sorry, 1860. So that yeah. makes it one of the earliest modern dive sites. And yeah, it just has a rich history of of paranormal um, encounters, in, like including, oh, what was the name of this guy here? Okay, so this is a Russian researcher of the paranormal uh, named Grabowski. 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 And, or sorry, no, no, no. This was the guy conducting the interview. Okay. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't actually have names of the people who made the discovery, but essentially this guy conducted the interview with what is described as reluctant witnesses. Um, it was a man and his friends who had been fishing, and okay. this is on the shores of Issacol, and they had discovered this cave. But it was not um, easily accessible. They had to actually come back with tools and kind of like, chisel their way into it is okay. what I right. read. And so they they found three human skeletons. Okay. This is the clincher. Yeah. Um, they were more than three meters tall. So once again, yeah. we got nine plus feet. Nine plus feet. And these skeletons were adorned with decorations that 
were like these silver amulets, pure silver amulets that were almost in the shape of what I'm picturing in my head to be like the Batman logo. Like, you know, they were described as a bat. Really? Yeah, with wings spread. Interesting. And you get the same description of these men. Men. These yeah. are men. They're not boys. Okay. Being terrified of what they've discovered. And they didn't want to report it. They didn't. They held on to the amulets. Uh, according to some accounts, they melted the silver down, kept a little bit for themselves, but sold the rest of it. That's um, too bad. <laughs> I know, right? Why would they? It's one of those things, though, where I guess it's like the experience of essentially the uncanny. You're seeing something yeah. that is presumably humanoid, yeah. but not... But, you can't fathom the size. It's it is just other. Like, yes, mm-hmm. it is other. Yes, It's very cool. And so essentially, oh, actually there was a small piece that had been saved and Soviet scientists that studied it said they couldn't determine its age. Interesting. So again, very... And you know what's something I'd like to point out here too? And this mm-hmm. is slightly off base perhaps, but yeah. I find it interesting that this whole, like we're finding, yeah, nine foot, like nine plus feet, three meters mm-hmm. in all of these different accounts and stuff right so there's there's similarities there but that also just makes me think of other unidentified creatures that are also i mean is it just because humans are obsessed with things that are being that bigger than them but we got Mm. bigfoot seven to seven to ten feet you got the flatwoods monster you know like you know eight to ten feet tall there's they're all in the same range yeah all these all these creatures are within the same range of size Mm-hmm. a lot of the time. I just thought that was interesting. That is actually very interesting. Anyway. Oh my gosh, what if these giant skeletons are actually Bigfoot's Or des- Bigfoot <laughs> descendants, or, yeah. or ancestors, rather. Right? You'd think the physiology would point to something, especially You'd in the think. foot, right? Right, that, right, uh, right. But we've got some interesting tidbits on offshoots of human ancestors as well, so... Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so, yeah, the, the cave finds are just... I mean, that... That kind of kicked it off, right? And just sort of sparked a lot of interest. And uh, it was kind of funny. There were so many articles that basically were just copy-pasted from other websites. And it just was like an endless, like, loop feeding into each other, whatever. But a lot of these... A lot of these articles, after they mentioned this... Yeah, this find at Lake Issacol... There would be this random, uh, random, 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 um, sentence, sorry, that basically says, it's like, interestingly, it was, it was the same sentence in every single article is obviously copy pasted. It's like a Kyrgyz, Kyrgyz legend does mention a submerged city in the lake. The city's ruler, King of Sonos, was a creature with long asinine ears. And I don't understand where that actually plays into because they don't say he's a giant. They don't no. say anything. It just says, like, oh, a submerged city in the lake. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I was like, I was trying and trying, you know, I'm going through the interwebs trying to find some info on this thing. Russian information is impossible to find <sighs> online. Yeah. And we even have our Russian myths book that didn't have a single mention no. about that. No. But yeah, so essentially this legend um, references a sunken city on the bottom of Lake Issacol. The right. last ruler of the ancient city had been this king with what it... Oh, 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 here. Here it is, okay. <laughs> king of Sonus, a giant Da-da. with long ears. A giant. Um, I'm not sure how... <laughs> this is from theeventchronicle.com, so again. But then I have another reference. This is from kyrgyztravel.com. Okay. And they describe in more detail this myth. So this is a quote. In pre-Islamic legend, the king of Sonus had donkey's ears. He would hide them and order each of his barbers to be killed to hide a secret. One barber yelled the secret into a well, but he did not cover the well afterwards. 
the well water rose and flooded the kingdom. The kingdom to this day is under the waters of Lake Issachol. This is how the lake was formed, according to legend. Other legends say that four drowned cities lie at the bottom of the lake. Substantial archaeological finds indicating the presence of an advanced civilization in ancient times have made have been made in the shallow waters of the lake. End quote. Very cool. So mind-blowing. Cool. You know. So could, yeah. So is there potential connection here to the idea of obviously ancient lost civilizations underwater? Mm-hmm. Or that are ha- ended up underwater. And, and w- populations that were substantially larger than what we know today. Right. This and is a pre-Islamic myth too, so this is old. Well, totally. And you know what? Old. This has to tie into, I'm going to just give some information on the Scythians then, because that mm. has to originate from them. Yeah. Because the uh, Islamic part of that mm-hmm. makes sense with this, because the Scythians were very early peoples that were nomadic horse riding peoples, basically. Were they pre-Islamic or were they Islamic? They were... Is... I think they were pre, pre from what I read, they yeah, were pre. pre. No, for sure. Cause I mean, Herodotus talks about them. Right. And this is, this is, uh, uh, I guess that would have been 430 BC, but they were around way before that. So, hmm. um, like 2,500 BC, basically hmm. up into Siberia, nomadic peoples and stuff. But, um, again, we got Herodotus mentioned. Um, yeah. Gotta get him in there. But that's probably where that myth It'll... and legend came from. And again, mm-hmm. myths and legends of indigenous peoples and, you know, descendants of them mm-hmm. so often have some basis in truth. I'm not saying that there's definitively a functioning lost city in Baikal and Issachul mm-hmm. or in Georgia or in the Black Sea or where these other sightings take place, but there's something going on. There's remnants, and maybe. There's, there's, there's definitely, re- there's, there's evidence of well, like, civilization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but whether like living or not... remnants, maybe. Exactly. So... I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is just so cool to me. Like this gets my juices flowing like crazy because it's, I love the ancient stuff Mm -hmm. and the idea that there could have been a technological offshoot. I don't think it's ancient alien kind of thing where we gather technology from Mm. ancient aliens or anything like that. (coughs) We're given like almost Prometheus style. Yeah. I I don't think it's like that. No. But there's definitely something more here that we don't know. There's elements that we do not know. Absolutely. So <laughs> just state the yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just we're, we're just like monster quest now. We'd be like very compelling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, your yeah. joke earlier. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, all right, we're here looking for the year and I'm gonna use my trousers to look for the year and I put them on one leg at a time and we're gonna walk into the woods. The woods is made up of trees. Like, <laughs> Large thanks. bundles of yeah. things known as trees. <laughs> Creates the forest. Like, yeah, yeah, thanks, buddy. Alrighty. Anyway, okay. No, we're not so, going to be like Monster Quest. That's not what we're going to be please like. Please not. Yeah. That's... Okay. I want to I want to move into something here that I thought was really interesting just to to stay on the topic of caves because I've got some interesting stuff from a cave in Siberia. Mm. So, two things. The first, researchers discovered evidence of a group of archaic humans that were existing outside of Africa for more than 30,000 more than 30,000 years ago. So, this is like this is linked to the basically the ancient Denisovans, which I didn't know what that was, but it's mm. basically a subspecies of the of Homo, like in the Homo genus. Oh yeah, it's so a Homo habilis, right? Homo erectus. It's in there mm-hmm. somewhere, mm-hmm. and um, there's rem- there's remains of them found in Siberia and other places around there. But basically, this was really cool. They found a. Sorry, cave. you said this was thirty thousand years ago. So the, this particular cave was dated to thirty thousand years ago. Okay, but there's but there's skeletal remains of these Denisovan, like... That go back further? Yeah, up to 70,000 years. So, but what was cool about this find was that they 
discovered the remains of a 5 to 10 year old Denisovan girl and they extracted DNA from her uh, from the fingers hmm. and um, they noticed some differences in the skeletal remains without even doing DNA analysis but what was so fascinating is that they did this and the DNA came back as totally different, like not totally different, but different sequence than the other um, subspecies of human that were known to exist at the time. So they were clearly interbreeding with other Neanderthals and like ancient peoples. And so it's just really cool. It's not like crazy profound, Mm -hmm. but it is kind of for me, especially because like this is an unknown species of subhuman. Right, yeah. right. This is an ancient human that's different than Neanderthal, so different the, than Denisovan, different. Like it's it's slightly different. So it allows for these. It just it provides a precedent for minute um, differentiations yeah. or mutations. Right. It's the uh, idea that could there have been some sort of a similar. You know, it's just it's proof that there's things that there were subspecies of human that we didn't know of. So could there be something like is that. I mean, it's a it's a jump, but we see giant similar. nine foot humanoids that we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of something along the same line of thinking that there was an ancient subspecies of human that went a different direction away who's from how say, we evolved? Exactly, because who's to say that? Yeah, we get hairy mountain men that are giant species living in the mountains. We get more amphibious looking, silvery, like webbed feet and hands with big googly eyes in the water. You know, like, it's just, I'm thinking. And this is tens of thousands of years of evolution. And if it's happening out of our sight. So her skeleton was dated to 70,000 years ago? No, the skeleton was 30,000, but then I have another uh, 70, this is another find. So again, uh, in, this was in the Altai mountain range. So this basically extends from like Siberia into Mongolia and in the Gobi and like kind of that area, Mm -hmm. I believe. 2008 Denisovan cave. So just another cave inhabited by basically ancient humans, right? Mm -hmm. And they found a, um, oh, what's it called? It's like a bracelet, but there's another word for it. It's like a ancient, oh, what's it called? It's like a bangle, a bangle, I think it's called Uh something like that. Anyway, they dated this to 60,000 years. Oh, okay. Now, this bracelet was, um, we've got the link, so we, this is in our, so, this is in our sources. This, right? this was, it, it, it exhibited the craftsmanship that wasn't possible until the Neolithic, like 8,000 BC, hmm. supposedly. Well, that we knew of. That so we now knew it's of, a new precedent. Right? So pushes it back. And there's further. debate. Not all archaeologists agree with this. Yeah. But some suggest that there's evidence of high speed drilling and the finish and the quality of the bracelet would have taken such special skill and tools that they would have not had that at the time, hmm. based on other finds. And this basically suggests that these our ancient ancestors, up to seventy thousand years ago, could have quite possibly had much greater technology and just capabilities. capabilities than we thought was possible you know and moving all the way up to the neolithic in 8000 bc and that's when we think that people were starting to figure things out interesting yeah that i find interesting because we've got just before that obviously dna evidence of a different subspecies of human yeah it's very so compelling it's, it's pretty cool rewriting the narrative i came across an article this morning too before we sat down to record that was talking about again um this does go back to the same area, the Georgian area, and this is what I kind of alluded to. So this is a, a find from 2008. Okay. Um, so essentially, 
these researchers in Georgia had um, heard a story about a burial changer with a giant contained within it from a herdsman in an extremely remote location. So this is a protected area of the Georgian um, National Park, the Bajormi or whatever National Park. Huge area, covers more than uh, 80,000 hectares of native forest. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And then it includes, it's got like three different regions that are kind of included. So the total area is 851 square kilometers. So a lot of It's a lot of territory. Yeah. Yeah. And so these Georgian researchers basically were following up on um, this account told by the herdsmen who had entered an ancient stone crypt somewhere in the mountains only to find an incredible sight. This is a quote. Two giant-sized human skeletons sitting on chairs at a large table. The team of Georgian researchers hiked into the wilderness with the hope of investigating the discovery, this site being located high up in the Lesser Caucasus mountain range. And then, obviously, yeah, this region is part of the enormous forested Bajormi Karaguli National Park area. Wow. Yeah, so very fascinating. They, by the time they had actually reached the crypt in 2008, I'm not sure when the initial find was actually made. Yeah. Um, it had collapsed, but they did recover bones from the area. And this is the same area known for having um, 1.8 million years old discovery of an ancient species of human too. That sort of rewrites the narrative of, like, it, they, they're not arguing against um, Africa as being the sort of initial inception where humans but they're just yeah. saying that this uh, extends the narrative much further back right and so they're they're kind of implying that perhaps there could have been a migration much earlier up into this sort of area of georgia turkey that type of mesopotamia ancient area yeah and that from there this was kind of spawned um eurasian populations and then european yeah so yeah so they actually did discover some bones uh they took these bones i saw a picture we both saw yeah. pictures they're massive huge and they were presented to this scientist, um, his name's Professor Vakua, and he was the one who discovered the 8.5 million year old remains. Right. And he called it Homo erectus georgicus. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so he said that these bones are consistent with a person to be between 2.5 to 3 meters in height. Once and, again. And this is very sad because unfortunately he died before testing could be done. And this is just classic. We've seen it with Smithsonian. We've seen it in other places. But the Georgian Museum Archive lost these bones somewhere. They're just they're just mixed in with thousands of other bones and pieces, apparently. How does that happen? Frustrating, okay. how frustrating. Does that, my question is, like, how how does that happen? That's not a I thing. don't know. And that, I don't like, like it. Like, come on. But anyways, there's more. Okay. So the age of the ruins, they were able to project it to be about 1,800 to 2,200 years old. So not even that old. No, no, that's that's not that that's old. not that old. And then the speculative date was based on this is a quote again. It was based on the type of cement used between the blocks that appears similar to Roman concrete. Um, however, it may be much older as no testing has yet been done. And this is so remote. It's so hard to get to. Like he had this whole one of the researchers because um, they teamed up with. Oh, was it the History Channel? It was something like that. And they yeah, were going to yeah, make yeah. a... This is back in 2013. Right. They were going to make a series about it called, like, Ancient Discoveries. I don't know. I can't I hope someone still does. I really hope they do, too. That I bookmarked this page. I'm going to follow up with it and see what sort of came of that. Yeah. Because it's very interesting. But I'm just... Oh, it just gets my goat that no testing's done. Well, like, it's like, okay... You why got, would you be taking you got more a big samples? Cra- you got like, a big crate of bones and... 
you, you just like you just write generic like on the on the box it just says bones like you don't even say like what they are or something and put it in a special spot like it's just like people lose their car keys you just, don't lose that is archaeological the thing finds. about having archival museums and and things like this organizations that aren't properly funded by the government so there's right. a lot of you know, like, I'm not sure what the exact or situation was in Georgia, conspiracy but... hats on, tinfoil hats on. Obviously, hmm. if there was a find that was linked to potentially something like right. the Silver Swimmers, yeah. perhaps, so just it gets covered up because there's some other with the private investigation or something like that, right? Right. That sort know. of conspiracy theory, yeah. We're not really too big into conspiracy theories. I'd, I honestly, t- I, uh, I would chalk it up more so to lack of funding and, and just, just lack of people... Just caring. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, possibly. You know, like, yeah, because there's, there's not Because really a lot any... of people write this stuff off as just simple hoax and whatever, right. and they just yeah. don't even take it seriously. Yeah. So, in that regard. But anyways, very, very interesting find. I really... I want them to find those freaking bones. Man. I know, right? But very cool. I, yeah. There's so many things. Like, oh, I have another one from the 1950s. Did, did you have more that were like... I'm a... No, I mean, I'm... I've, I'm already like at my theories. Oh my God, theories. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just gonna treat your ears to this little tip. Give me here. the treat. Um. Yeah. So again, we're going. Back, we're going back to Mikhail Demidenko, and this okay. was the guy we mentioned right off the top of the bat. Um. That sort of confirmed he went and talked to those fishermen on Lake Baikal and got their stories as, as to like witnessing these frogmen launching out of the air and stuff. Yeah. And he was a very well-known Russian writer. And he got around. He was actually in Tibet in the 1950s. And he was accompanying high-ranking Beijing and Soviet military commanders that were inspecting red Chinese troops in the Xinjiang province um, of western Tibet. Sorry, the Xinjiang province and western Tibet. So they're kind of going all over. And so essentially what the group did is they spent a night in this Lamaist monastery... And Demidenko met this guy. He was like a monk, super old monk. And he spoke Russian. He was a Mongol. And they spoke about a lot of different things. Um, One of them was this um, story about these caves that exist in the Tibetan mountains where giants, again, that are three meters tall, (laughs) (laughs) remain in anesthesia-induced sleep. Interesting. Isn't that weird? So they're almost like hibernating. And then it goes on to say that um, later, Demidenko had heard stories that the Red Chinese had gutted one of these sacred caves, removed from their sleeping amphibian giants, and publicly hanged them. Wow. I wasn't just able... Out of fear. I, honestly, like, I feel like this is all just written in, in Russian, so yeah. I can't find it, but it was put in his book, Demidenko's book. We're going to have to track that down. We didn't have time to for this episode, but we kind of yeah we were we were too busy partying. In, yeah, we were in Vancouver. <laughs> we were down in Vancouver, so even though it was only twenty four hours, of film it's, cover, yeah, it takes a lot out of you though. It does we were but that's, dead? That, but that right? that is bizarre though. Amphibian giants. And then he even goes on this little article here. Um, they just kind of were talking about how the Nazis were quite aware of this, and they kind of. Again, like, we've heard about the Nazis being in Castle Holska trying to sort of harness the or, um, the gates of hell or whatever. Yeah. They're... But apparently, Hitler sent SS expeditions to Tibet because he was certain that these giant demigods would confirm his theories on, like, you know, this whole Aryan superiority yeah. and whatever sort of 
nonsensical uh, racist stuff so that Aryan he was into. So Aryan superiority originated with serpent-like creatures? Right. Anyway, that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> or, sorry, uh, amphibian-like creatures, I should say. I know, right? Yeah, okay. Well, so, uh, yeah, so we get this tidbit, Tibet. Yeah. And Tibet, very close to Mongolia, very close, all that neck of the woods, right? Well, it is. Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Coming yeah. from a new No, for sure. Religion. No, it's uh, no Tibet. And then uh, north of Tibet, you've got that mountain range. And then you're into like, there's the Gobi Desert, right. which we touched on for the and Death then Lambs. And on top of that, there's... And the, that's Mongolia, Baikal. North China. And then you keep going up and then you're into lower Siberia, Baikal, those types of areas. So it is definitely you in the range. should include some good maps for this oh, one. Oh, we'll hey? have like, maps for sure. Yeah. In, the, in the blog post, I'll definitely include absolutely. that. Absolutely. So that's bizarre. And that is... so it gets even more bizarre. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I came across this guy named Rampa Lama. Rampa Lama. Rampa Lama. And he's a very controversial figure. Some people um, believe him. Some people definitely don't. Sounds uh, like a DJ name. Rampa Lama. Yeah. So he... I don't actually have a date for when he was in Tibet. Okay. But he basically... He was in the capital. So this is Lhasa. um, And that's where the Dalai Lama's palace is. And so essentially, he claims to have visited underground tunnels underneath this palace, where amongst many ancient pictographs depicting alien technologies and a lot of very foreign things that can't really be explained easily, um, he described an underground lake that stretches for miles beneath the Earth's surface. And so this is a quote from him. Um, this is after an extensive journey underground through several flights of stairs and passages and whatever else. It's like a whole maze, seemingly. So this is from Rampalama, quote. Okay. It was black and still, with the blackness that made it appear almost invisible, more like the bottomless pit than a lake. Oops, did I get that wrong? <laughs> I think I kind of <laughs> butchered that one. But essentially, it was like, yeah, it was very, very still, very black, very right. creepy, whatever. And he did see several remarkable things again. So on the walls, there was um, numerous unknown figures and strange geometric shapes, images of giants. And there's also depictions of, yeah, again, alien machines and incomprehensible stories and all these kind of crazy things. So we've got the giants and the mach- alien yeah. machines and yeah. that. All sorts of weird stuff. And then they persisted further into these underground caverns and they found what he described as like a niche. And there was like this, like, like a black house is kind of what he described. And then within that, there was a sarcophagus, which lay three sleeping giants um, that were gold. So these are almost like representations is kind of, unless they were painted in gold, he was kind of vague on that one. Okay. So So like it was maybe. This is the quote again. This is a better quote from him. Quote, I looked again, fascinated and awed. Three gold figures, nude, lay before us, two male and one female. Every line, every mark faithfully reproduced by the gold. But the size, the female was quite long, ten feet as she lay, and the larger of the two males was not under fifteen feet. Their heads were large and somewhat conical at the top. The jaws were narrow and with a small, thin-lipped mouth. The nose was long and thin, while the eyes were straight and deeply recessed. No dead figures. These looked asleep. Interesting. End quote. You know, that just straight up reminds me of Prometheus. Right? Right. Yeah, totally. So, it's so fascinating. I'm just, I'm still just trying to, like, categorize and make sense of all this guy. Like, you know, like, I'm not really, uh, yeah. But this was definitely something that I just stumbled across this morning, too. But I thought it was so bad. Yeah, I had to add that in, for sure. So, yeah, so, I mean, we've got all this 
some of it's more, uh, you know, backed up, corroborated than others, obviously. But we yeah. have obviously a ton of evidence all over the Eurasian continent in Siberia and elsewhere for giant humanoids, mm-hmm. offshoots <coughs> of ancient humans yep. that we didn't know existed. We've got sightings of UFOs and USOs linked to the lake mm-hmm. and just to water in general that are also linked to sightings of nine foot tall sw- pe- yeah. creatures. Yeah. Terrestrial outside the water. So this is all, there's so many similarities. The commonalities are just, you can't ignore them. It's too, yeah, exactly. There's too many. Photos. So, I mean, are we getting into theories now? I would say so. That wraps it up for me as far as That like, wraps it up for me too. And I'm, I'm excited yeah. to get into theories because we've got obviously the silver swimmer theory as its own thing. Mm-hmm. And then the ancient civilization theory on a slightly broader scale to to associate the swimmers with that. Like, where are they from? Are they from an ancient civilization? Are they alien? Mm. What are they? Exactly. What do you think? I mean, what do you want to start off with? Oh, Lord. I've got, I don't I mean, even know. Like, okay, so here, here's, I've, I've got stuff here. So like. <laughs> he's got stuff. Okay, he's got stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So for the swimmers specifically, <clears throat> people have been theorizing what they could be. And some of the dumbest of those theories has to be, uh, like, for starters, the NERPA. The seal, the freshwater <laughs> oh, seals, yeah. okay, that uh, are indigenous only mm. to Lake Baikal. Mm-hmm. They um, share no um, d- like DNA with their ocean supposed. Like they're not from the ocean, right? They're nobody knows how they got there. Right? They're not. They're they're different than their genetics are completely yes. different. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just this mystery as to how they were there. But they dive down to crazy deep depths like really deep i don't actually have the number right here but they can hold their breath for a crazy long time and people are thinking well must have just been some nerpa they're silvery gray right okay but they're only like three feet Mm. they're not nine feet yeah okay Um, they're not humanoid and they're not humanoid and they're not that like they're fast but they're not going to be so fast that you're like and they're not going to shoot people out of the water with unknown technologies no so scratch that one off the list Mm -hmm. that's a theory then we got, once again, just like the Ogopogo, we got sturgeon. <clears throat> so the Baikal sturgeon. Hmm. You know, if this was actually in Okanagan Lake or somewhere out here, I think this theory would actually have a little bit more weight because the sturgeons out here yeah. are bigger. Yeah. Their colors match up more so, like silvery, grays, different things though. like that. The ones in Baikal are brown. Oh. They're just straight brown. Yeah, like sturgeons here can be black, like they can be, yeah. they're dark, but they could have the appearance of shimmery silver, but these ones couldn't, they're brown, they are, and they're small, like they're nowhere near the size, and they don't exist at that depth for like consistently, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be ripping around, and presumably Russian military dive teams they are not going to miss, yeah, that. they're going to know what a sturgeon looks like. Yeah. It's not a sturgeon. Okay. And then I came up with That's this. That's almost like insulting a to even bit. say that because three people died and yeah. four people were seriously brain injured from yeah. that event. Yeah. yeah. And I people are like just that's... like, oh, they probably just saw some unidentified large sturgeon. No. 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 Dumb. <laughs> that's the dumb, dumb theory of the day. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I came across this other interesting thing though, and this is just a folklore connection um it isn't actually associated directly with baikal but it is just generally associated with the the lakes and river systems of the country and there's a ton of rivers that lead into uh, into baikal and um oh my gosh i'm already forgetting it's a cool what no 
Issa Cole's a, um, I can't remember the name for it, but it's a, I want to say it's an endemic lake where there actually isn't. Okay, maybe it's just no... adjacent rivers then. Because there's definitely okay. a lot of water systems in the area, and then yeah. there's ones that run into Baikal. Because that was the interesting part of, like, Issa Cole's. The, oh, that's the right, because it's saline, and it's, that's right, out that's of right. The, yeah, out of the crust, essentially. Right, 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 right. Or so the legends go, and I think that is supported by geologic evidence. Nevertheless, sorry, this sorry. <laughs> is still associated with both those lakes and the river systems near them. It's called the Vodanoi. Okay. Vod... vod and basically it is a merman-like creature in Russian folklore. Oh, cool. And there was a cult of the Vodanoi, um, which is sort of stronger in the northern part of Russia, but it's also throughout the country. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's essentially a merman with a tail and fins and a humanoid appearance that w- was the size of a man or larger. That just so brings that me right back into... to the, the, the yeah the the shark diver guy yeah, right yeah so no helmet on that one he could see the face and he saw some sort of like fin like and we'll thing. include a picture of uh, oh my gosh we got the bulldog in here making noise anyway that's probably what these things sound like similar to that <laughs> sound like a monster she's fine anyway probably <laughs> merrily here so isn't that bizarre so that's a folklore legend and it sort of matches the silver swimmers. That is interesting. Right. Besides, like, the the thing that's missing for me is the description of the feet. Like, do we get descriptions of fin-like things? I haven't seen any of that. No, we just get the top. I've got descriptions of, like, webbed hands. Presumably if they're saying humanoid. Because that was the one, the the shark guy. He said that the one, um, one of the swimmers came up and sort of, sort of waved to them. Oh. And he could see that that it was webbing. Well, mm. you'd, you'd think it would have to be if you're yeah. existing underwater, but that's but the then, question of whether or not it's that's the body or the suit, right? Because we're right. dealing with suits or if it's creature. some sort of protective outer coating right. of some sort. And but another thing too that sort of complicates that is if we're dealing with the same, like, can these be terrestrial too? Because we have that incident with the plane right, crash, right? And obviously, if you have a fin, a merman fin, you're not going to be waltzing around for a little Sunday stroll on land, you're going to be... (laughs) And to be able to shoot up, like, shoot out of that valley, that opening, like, he basically just booked it out of there, and then he just shot into the sky. Yeah. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Totally bizarre. So, I mean, so those are the, those are the, some of the, I mean, the folklore one's not even a theory. That's just something I came across and I thought it was interesting because it was Mm Russian-based. But at the end of the day... Do you think that there's, do you think that there are... Like some sort of cryptozoological entities, like... I mean, there's, here are the camps. Cryptozoological entity. Interdimensional. Interdimensional. Extraterrestrial. Right. So that they have a base underwater, but they are not from here. Mm-hmm. Or advanced ancient civilization. Right. Like, prim, like primordial ancient civilization, human, humans. Yeah. That somehow managed oh. to... I don't even know. Just, like they just, have, it's almost like they became underground yeah, dwellers. Yeah. And I'm just like picturing this would be a, such a great um, plot for like a fiction novel where it's like it's almost like Cloud Atlas, where we get this like super advanced civilization. You get the collapse, you get the <laughs> primitive civilization happening on top of that, and then and then we are that primitive civilization in this analogy, and we're slowly rising, rising, growing, 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 and then we've had this explosion of like um, industrial revolution activity in the last 150, 200 years, yeah. and and now we're just kind of we've we've overtaken the world again in right. a different way, perhaps than maybe these ancient civilizations that are gone now, but are 
residing. It's almost like yeah. the the residual embers of the forest fire under right. under the surface. Yeah, and they're just like things that still manage there. to you know exist through, but have no way of like sort of like reaching out and, and sort of like identifying with our culture and civilization. It is alien in every sense of the word, yeah. but without there being without the without Hollywood the connotation. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, cool. I, I, I definitely, I mean, obviously this happened. This yeah. was a real event that happened with these divers. This yeah. is declassified military documents that talk about this stuff. The sightings were real. People mm-hmm. saw these men get shot up. People have seen these orbs Yeah. and they're credible witnesses. They're military people. They're, yeah. Again, I'm not so rescue. sure about this. Uh, what was his name? Again, not, all of them, not all of them are going to be obviously. No. Yeah, but that story is crazy. It is. Yeah, with nuts. the yeah, that's insane. But nevertheless, even if that's just a folklore story, yeah. the commonalities of the nine foot to ten feet or larger, the giants, and then and then all these strange things in Siberia and mm-hmm. Baikal. I believe that there is. I. I think that there's an ancient civilization at the bottom of that lake. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that it's like a, you know, a thing that if we just send down a submarine, we can see mm-hmm. necessarily because obviously like they're James really good. Exactly. <laughs> obviously they're really good at not being seen if they don't want to be. Yeah. Just like all these other cryptozoological creatures, so to speak. You even like claim that the silvery suits are some sort of uh, cloaking apparatus as well. Hey, doesn't of... that remind you of almost like uh Oh, oh, like uh, Alien versus Pet Predator. Oh, or that. With like too, Predator, yeah. where he's got like the shimmery. I was like, thinking Harry Goblet of Fire. <laughs> oh, with, or with Fire. the cloak, with the, with the invisibility cloak. No, or, or that too. Yeah, no, I was thinking of this, the underwater scene. Though, right, like right, the right. Swimmers oh, no, yeah, totally. That's right. There's, if, if they're shimmery and they can sort of like, it's almost like, again. Uh, Some sort of a camouflage. Yeah, camouflage similar to that fish that I couldn't remember the name of. Remember in the last episode where I was trying to make that a uh, as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. The either. cuttlefish. The cuttlefish, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so we have all of this. Yeah, you're leaning towards the ancient civilization. Um, and I'm leaning on that evidence in the caves because we're finding yeah. out every day that there all were human-like and... things that existed that we didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's not as profound as finding a 15 foot tall or a 10 foot tall or whatever, how, you know, yeah. giant skeleton, but it's still profound. These, this is a genetically different subspecies mm-hmm. that implies that it's like, you know, ancient Neanderthal, whatever they're banging rocks together, but that's just because of how our perception of like what we can see. The other thing about mm-hmm. all this and archeology span in general that I always think of, it's like, we're trying to study things that are so old already like so if you're looking at something that's seventy thousand years old and trying to decipher when it was made or how it was made like how, how, it's not that far off to think that there's way more evidence that we would have found but mm-hmm. has now just been lost because this is seventy thousand years ago yeah how many different civilizations have ri- risen and fallen over the over the millennium that have that have d- destroyed or gotten rid of, of evidence of ancient civilizations? And then we just see them as the ancient civilizations, right? Right, the Egyptians and the whoever's they're yeah. all the ancient civilizations, but maybe because, not so ancient. Right? <laughs> ancient, anyway. but not so ancient. So that's where I'm at. I I tend to agree with that theory. I feel like that has a lot of credence. Um, I, again, I, I, I always favor the interdimensional aspect. Like what if these are, again, like you get these, the bubbles of different dimensions or say the pages of the book sort of spread out right. and you get these civilizations perhaps that are sort of almost like moving through the pages of the book or through the membranes of the bubbles and, and they can sort of 
cross over into our what we perceive as the present if they're from a past or right. just a different yeah dimension you know what i mean yeah yeah and so maybe that's how some of their technology is able to function in the way that it is and it's and we and we can't understand it yeah because i kind of had like you know going back to the whole orbs and ufos as usos and sort of the interchangeability of that yeah and that whole instant that we mentioned in 1994 in australia about the the orb-like thing that was spotted by so many people and essentially it looked as if it was like sucking water yeah the water sucker and that's been reported like again you were saying that yeah um Rob Christofferson in his uh, episode on like the LA. I think it was that one. I can't remember exactly, one? but I mean that's that's been that's a common theme. With it the is UFOs. a common they're theme. They're around water. Around water, lots of sightings around yeah. water, and what if they're like? Because I'm just trying to make the connection between the cattle mutilations and oh, the okay. surgical precision of that, and how like perhaps this is some sort of attempt at experimentation. What if they're doing this with our marine life as well? you know okay so like in the theory of there being actual like abductions or something like that that could be an explanation for how why there's abduction so much as like collecting samples okay so that these could be these silver swimmers and creatures like them could be that's kind of experiments basically i don't know i don't know know how those silver swimmers would fit into that yeah i was more so on a different tangent when i was kind of thinking i feel like maybe like if you're thinking along those lines maybe that like they are because like some people think that like extraterrestrials aren't from are actually just terrestrial they're all mm-hmm. terrestrials either yeah. interdimensional or they're here right and you know the deep lake and the deep ocean is outer space basically like you yeah. go down there it's a different world and you don't know what's down there exactly. like we uh we haven't made it to the bottom of every ocean mm-hmm. you know mariana's trench man what's down there i ain't going i'll tell you that right now I can barely make it to the deep end of the pool. Yeah, screw that. I'm you not know. even going into Okanagan Lake after doing Okanagan oh, episode. I, yeah, this screw summer, that. no, sticking to. Uh, I just will run through the sprinkler instead. Should yeah. be safe. Yeah. Okay. Dunk in the creek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, so that kind of wraps it up for me. Are you? Do you have any other alternative no. theories? You kind of settled on your. I'm settled on that, and I will make one more reference because I'm going to try not to make this reference in every single episode. But it's my absolute favorite one that I pulled out of Lauren Coleman's Ooh, book on yeah. Bigfoot. And, and this ties it, into the seals a little bit. A little bit. As far it's, as like, yeah, the the wood buffalo reference. Yeah. Now the wood buffalo was disco- was thought to be extinct. And was discovered by a bush pilot somewhere on the Alberta something border. Can't remember exactly, but basically it was a herd that was self-sustaining of these wood buffalo that we did not think existed anymore. These are creatures that weigh, you know, over a thousand pounds. They're they're not small. Like they, we we should be able to find them or know that they exist. But mm-hmm. guess what? The expansive territory of British Columbia and Alberta and crossing into California and all these different places is so massive, and so is Siberia, and so is the lake. Yeah, and so they just go unnoticed. There are creatures and, that exist that and we even don't just know. To add on to that, um, there was uh, a line from one of those Bigfoot documentaries we were watching from BC, and I believe it was a an individual from UBC. It was a professor, a researcher, or something, mm-hmm. and he made the comment. He was like, you know. The, it's almost safer these days for Bigfoot, like, type things, Sasquatches, to be around because there's less... Less people. Less people traveling nomadically. Yeah. We're situated in our cities. We're safe in our little bubbles of yeah. our cities. And you don't get the same types of uh, indigenous populations that are sort of, like, you yeah. know, traversing the land and, and connected with the nature. So, therefore, in that sense, like, we're... 
Yeah. Yeah. And if that's the theory on land, then Mm -hmm. it's multiplied by however many times when you're looking at such a deep lake, because if that's the case, I mean, sure, there might be more fishing on the lake. So that's slightly different than saying, oh, now there's less, there's less nomadic indigenous peoples crossing the mountain range Mm -hmm. that would see a Sasquatch. But in the sense, it's the same because there's, there's people aren't, people aren't, uh, they're not, they're not diving down to these depths in the lake. Like it is, it is a, it is a place where things can go unseen. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a safe haven. I believe they're down there. I believe in the skeletal finds as well. Yeah. I'm really sad uh, about the loss of those. I think sometimes these, I think eventually maybe some of these things will resurface. Same with some of the, uh, Smithsonian lost, uh, lost things from Kincaid's cave or Mm -hmm. lost bones Mm -hmm. as well. Right. Yeah. But these things are out there. So if you're diving in Lake Baikal or Lake Issaquul or the Black Sea, or other places too. <laughs> feel. Um, so anyways, yeah, before we wrap this all up, yeah. we wanted to give a thank you to Raven Skillet for your lovely review. Yeah. We, we appreciate your feedback so much. On the we're, US iTunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, yeah, I love looking at those. Um, totally. We're just glad you're enjoying our approach and, you know, we like to have fun with this stuff, yes. so we do take it seriously at the same time. So, totally. so thank you. balance. Thank you very much for that. Um, as well, well... We have a call to action. Yeah, yeah. We kind of, we wanted to put something out there for our listeners. Yeah. So, do you know anyone, or just someone, anyone, do you know anyone in this world? (laughs) Do you know someone um, that is a fan of history, mysteries, um, anything to do with the paranormal, or is just a downright curious person, um, but has never listened to a podcast in their life? I know quite a few of those people out yep, there, and I'm, I'm trying to convert them, man, because this is, podcasting is radio of the future, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And so we want to challenge you guys to um, ask someone to give it a try. If you, and obviously if you know people that are already out there listening to podcasts. Um, yeah. Pass it on to your friends. Exactly. That's the best way for word us to mouth. grow the show, is word yeah. of mouth. And yeah. we appreciate the support so far. And it's the most effective. So and... pass her along. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, we want to do some fun little... Um, interactive things on our social media this week too so yeah. stay tuned for yes. that we'll have a post up tomorrow monday morning ish maybe yeah. monday afternoon yeah <laughs> just uh with more details regarding that and yeah we're otherwise I, do you have anything to add um you know i don't think so i'm i'm, I'm, I'm I, uh, really excited we've got a lot of really fun stuff a lot of fun collaborations i'm not gonna I'm just going to allude to that. We're yes. going to be making some announcements. And yeah, we're branching out bit. for sure. There's yeah. some fun guests going to be on in the next uh, the next month uh, to two months for sure. It's going to be busy. And mm. um, so stay tuned for all that. And then like Amber said, stay tuned for Instagram and Twitter tomorrow because there's going to be some fun uh, some fun stuff for you guys yeah. out there. Yeah. So We want to get you involved. Yeah. So, so thanks again for listening. Yeah. Um, you reach out to us on those platforms or mm. you can get to us at into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the Silver Swimmers. Mm-hmm. We would love to hear your theories as well. And uh, yeah. we'll be back next Sunday we'll with a new episode. Sunday. So thanks for joining us on Into the Portal, and we'll see you again soon.